everyone. Welcome to Health Addicts. Remember, this show is just for entertainment purposes only, meaning I'm not your doctor. So if you have questions about anything related to your health, gotta ask your doctor, okay? Otherwise, enjoy the show and enjoy the content. Man, how many carbs are too much carbs? Am I getting enough sleep? Am I even supposed to be taking vitamins? I guess I better listen to The Health Addict Show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Health Addicts Show. I'm your host, Tommy J, and I got a great episode for you today. It's actually pretty pertinent to this time right now in between December and March, because that's the peak of flu season. Yes, we are going to talk about the flu today. So everyone get their seatbelts on. We're going to get started right away. And this is pretty significant because there's over 3 million cases a year in the U.S., And I don't know about you, there's a lot of people who always get some kind of cold or upper respiratory virus when cold season comes around because it's inevitable. We're always around people. So I feel like it's a good topic that a lot of people can relate to. So let's kind of get into the basics of it. What is the flu? Well, the flu is caused by the influenza virus. And there's many, many, many strands of influenza out there. So it's basically a contagious virus that causes upper respiratory or lower respiratory infections. And what I mean by there's many different types of influenza viruses, I mean there is many types. I don't even want to get into it because there's so many different types. But we can kind of go over the more known ones that happen all the time. And influenza A and influenza B are kind of the more common ones that usually happen during flu season that seem to affect and infect more people than anything. So what typically happens is you're around a lot of people, someone else is already infected with the influenza virus, and they're coughing and sneezing and even talking, and all these flu viruses are super tiny on a microscopic scale, and they're going around in these particulates, and we're ingesting and taking these viruses, whether it's smelling them and through the nose or it lands in our mouth. I mean, someone doesn't have to spit in your mouth. These particles are super, super small. It only takes a few just to get you infected. Or someone sneezed on the surface of something and you touch it because the flu is primarily transferred by droplets. And that's why in the hospital, people are in a droplet precaution. And usually it's a six feet radius in droplet precaution. So as nasty as that sounds, it's literally what's happening. You are touched some kind of particulate and droplet from somebody else and touched your face or ingested through the nasal pharynx area and you are now contracted the virus. And the flu is very different than a bacterial infection because it quickly onsets and starts replicating super fast by attacking the cells. So within a few hours, you can even start having symptoms of a runny nose, sneezing, coughing, those body aches that you get, a fever, so you can become febrile, headaches, and in some severe cases, vomiting and diarrhea. And this is kind of how you can tell between having the common cold and the flu because of how fast the onset was. Because usually with the cold, aches are not so common. They're more slight. Fever's pretty rare. You don't really get the chills with the cold. Sneezing can be common, and headaches are usually more rare. So it's kind of a good way to differentiate whether you have a flu or the common cold. So before we move on, I kind of just want to talk about what a virus is, just to kind of give you a quick overview. So a virus is considered an infective agent. 
It's not considered an actual living organism because it doesn't contain all five characteristics that we consider for a living organism. So it's almost a parasite. It has to infect a host, which it infects cells to survive. And once this virus infects the cell, it starts replicating and stealing what it needs to continue its reproductive cycle. And it takes the nucleic acids for the most part. And once it continues enough, it will actually burst the cell and move on. The body's natural immune system, though, is supposed to recognize this based on antigens, attack the virus, and destroy it before it continues to replicate beyond control. And we have antibodies, which we can get through a variety of sources, whether we've had the virus before or vaccines, to fight it. But as the virus replicates, these antibodies and proteins change on it, making it disguised to the natural fighter cells in our body. And this is called antigenic drift. And even past that, you can have where an entire subspecies is created past their original virus, and this is called antigenic shift. And this is what kind of we saw in 2009 with the H1N1 virus, the swine flu we saw that kind of hit us and we weren't totally prepared. It's because a new subspecies of an H virus was created and untreatable from previous vaccines. So once again, though, the main flu season is between December and February, but it can go even as long as May, depending on how strong and rapidly the virus is infecting people. And this is especially true with the target populations that are more likely to be infected, including people over 65 years of age, immunosuppressed people, um, toddlers and children, and people that are just in close proximity to infected people. So let's kind of talk more about who's the target for a virus of this type. And the first one is those adults over 65, and mostly because a lot of them live in nursing homes, which are in close quarters with another person, and the virus can spread very quickly. And their immune systems are weaker than younger adults. It's just what happens over time. Your immune system starts losing its power. The second type is pregnant women. And pregnant women, their bodies are going through a lot of adjustments to accommodate the baby, including their heart and their lungs, and it makes the inability for their immune system to accommodate correctly. And of course, babies themselves are, can be susceptible to influenza, so they are a target population. The next one is young children under five, especially two-year-olds. So the two-year-olds are the highest risk for influenza according to the CDC. And it's due to their weakened immune system and the child's inability to have created a strong immune system to fight the newest viruses coming out. Now, there is a lot more other target populations such as asthma with their inability to breathe, diabetes, your immune system's weakened due to your inability to control your sugars, neurological conditions. This is due to the muscular weakness and inability to cough and clear secretions and normal relative clearance that a normal person with normal lung and muscular functions have. There's also HIV, AIDS, and cancer patients who have immunosuppressive properties already, making them very susceptible to the influenza virus. And finally, there's patients who've had stroke or a heart attack because the influenza virus is very deteriorating to the body and if you've had a previous one of those you might be six times more likely to have another heart attack when you are contracted the virus 
So that's pretty much the target audience for this virus. And the main way it spreads, we kind of already talked about, it's through droplets. And usually within a few hours, you can feel it. But by two days, you're at the peak of the virus and most infectious. And then even after contracting the virus, you can be infectious and produce and give off the virus for the next five to seven days and even feel symptoms many days after that. But mostly people are most infectious within the first three or four days. So what happens now? Let's say you contracted the flu virus and you have all the symptoms and you don't know what to do next. So what do you do? That depends on your risk factors. Uh, the people that are predisposed to debilitating diseases, it has a higher impact on you than a person with an normal immune system and immune response that can fight off the virus. Sometimes it's just treating the symptoms, taking cold medicine, fighting the fever, taking medicine to break the fever and fighting off the chills and pain that come with it and eventually you'll be fine. Otherwise, if it continues, you continue to have cough, it gets worse or you start having seizures or difficulty breathing, your fever is continuing and over 104 children with bluish lips and are not moving because of pain, it's time to go see some medical help because the flu can become very serious very quick if it's not treated and taken care of properly. But the biggest one is in children, make sure they're not having a really fast, rapid, shallow breathing. The fever isn't above 104. Even 102 can sometimes be the point where you might want to make sure that you have a close by medical attention if you need to break the fever. And the pain if they're choosing not to walk, that's a very clinical sign that they're having a lot of pain from the flu. With adults though, it's more difficulty in breathing. It's still rapid, shallow, and the fever is still the same. But altered mental status is a very good indicator and the loss of urine function that you might be getting septic. So these are good signs to maybe seek medical attention. So what will you do when you get medical attention? I mean, you're going to get break the fever. Um, if it's severe, they can give you an antiviral. And there's many different types of antivirals and they can shorten the flu time one or two days with this antiviral. But most importantly, what you need to do is avoid contact with people that are sick or even suspected of being sick you definitely don't want to be coughed on by children because even if you're taking care of your own child that's sick try to protect yourself from the cough you want to wash your hands regularly and right away and a body hygiene itself is very important with the flu getting all those droplets off of you because you want to avoid touching your face as well and also drinking plenty of fluids when you do have the flu and getting plenty of rest is most important. Your body's taking a hit and it needs to take the time to rest and heal. So here's kind of the more important one though. If you don't get the virus, you can't be infected with it. So prevention is actually one of the best ways to fighting off the flu in a really, really rough flu season. And the first thing you can do, which some people might not like is a vaccine. A vaccine is one of the best ways to preemptively treat for the flu. And whether your stance on flu vaccines are to take it or not to take it, it's up to you. But you're actually helping a lot of population that isn't able to even take the flu vaccine because of their immunities unable to take it. And the flu vaccine, all it really is, is they take three or four strands and a dead virus it is not a live active virus and inject it into your body the antigens that are a part of that virus 
are taken in by your own body and they make antibodies for it. So when you are infected with a live virus, you can fight it off more easily. And this is usually done by looking at the other side of the world, such as Australia. They have an opposite winter and summer season than us. So their flu season is opposite of us. So they take what their most active viruses were, create a vaccine that fights that, and we are given it for our flu season, just as theirs is replicated from ours for the next season. Probably have to do a whole nother podcast on vaccines because there's such a big controversy and understanding to them. But we'll go over it more. But actually, flu vaccines, their availability and workage is probably about 40 to 60% saying that if you got the flu vaccine, you've helped yourself increase your immunity by 40 to 60%. You're less likely getting the flu. So there is still a chance you're going to flu. Plus, we talked about this, less people that get the flu vaccine, more people are infected. It can shift and drift as far as the antigen properties, making it our vaccine not work as well. All right, off of vaccines. So next thing you can do, though, is wash your hands regularly and frequently. Because the more you are able to get that virus off your hands, because you're constantly touching your face, you're touching your mouth, you're touching your eyes, you're touching your hair, you touch all these parts on your body and you're spreading the virus and the droplets all over you. So if you can frequently wash your hands, it gets the virus right off and you're better protecting yourself and others around you. You're not passing it along. Next is obviously getting a healthy diet and plenty of sleep. If you're preparing your body's own immune system to fight, you're already creating a better defense system. Because if you're eating junk, you're not taking enough fluids, you're not getting the proper amount of rest to digest things and get your body revved up for the next day, you're pretty much putting yourself at a disadvantage already. Next thing you can do is limit the contact you have with sick people. And if you have to be around them, protect yourself so much better as you can. Like we talked about, if you have young kids, they're gonna cough, they're gonna sneeze around you. Try not to let them cough straight into your face or onto you. Let them cough over your shoulder, including yourself. Cough into something such as your arm or cough into a tissue, something that you can easily dispose of. And clean and have a clean household decreases this chance. And the final thing you can do is just avoid large crowds. I mean, you're going to have to go through them, especially if you're going through airports or kids are in school or you're in college or you work in a very busy organization. Just try to limit your contact in front of a ton of people. If not, you can wear a mask or just keep washing your hands more frequently. You want to or carry the little alcohol bottles around the sanitizers to help get the virus off of you until you get home. So let's say you just got home. You're starting to feel achy. You feel like you have a temperature. You take your temperature and you're over 100 now. You're sneezy. You're stuffy. You're coughing. You know, what should I do now? Well, there's three very easy things you can do right off the back, and that is get some water, get some food while you can. If you're nauseous, try to get some kind of nutrients in. And third of all, call into work. Don't go to work sick. I don't care what kind of company says you have to be at work every day. If you are sick, take care of yourself because you're going to get everyone else sick if you go into work sick. So this virus passes so easy. So if you have any inclination that you have the flu, Stay home and get some rest. And if your boss tries giving you a hard time, you just point my way, okay? There's plenty of clinical data that says that's a terrible idea for you going to work if you're feeling the flu, okay? So stay home. And I think the final thing I kind of want to put out there is if you have small children 
and definitely during flu season, don't bring them to the hospital. I know you want to visit your loved ones and your family members that are sick in the hospital, but you're putting a lot of people at risk, including the child themselves and the patients inside the hospital because you put two very dangerous patient populations together that can contract the virus really easy. And I see it all the time in hospitals. Kids are playing on the floor. They touch every surface, and especially young kids, especially under 13. It's just a better idea to leave them home if you have to. Obviously, there's circumstances that go beyond that. But as a general rule of thumb, I would try to avoid bringing small children to the hospital during flu season. And I think that's it, folks. That is it on the flu that we're going to cover today. If you have questions, because we did cover a lot of information on here, and it's such a controversial subject, hit me up on all the social medias. We'll try and get more answers filled. Um, any health professionals that want to put their input on it, you're more than welcome to. And I hope you all have a great holiday. Stay addicted to your health and have a nice day.